I'm, I'm a self-starter or enough of one. And I thought my purpose would just be right around the corner. And nine years later, <laughs> I found my purpose. But during that dark night, you know, I think I just had to face some of my illusions. A, a big metaphor for me in that dark night as I look back on it, is walking through the arroyos here in northern New Mexico. And so often, you'll know what I mean, you see a juniper tree on uh, on an edge, and it just looks like all the roots are exposed. And yet this juniper tree is not just surviving, but thriving. And then you see, oh, the taproot is still connected. This is the podcast, Creative at the Wheel, and I'm Julie Clare. As a transformational life coach and creativity guide, my life's work is helping people reshape their lives from the inside out. Here, I have deep dive conversations with luminaries who share about their own transformational journeys and how they became soul-sourced and creatively juiced. May their stories uplift and embolden all of us. Let's jump in. My guest today is Lisa Baker. I recently met Lisa at the Abiquiu Studio Tour, and I was compelled to get to know her more and to bring her into one of these podcast conversations. Uh, when I recently did talk to Lisa, um, she told me how she used to talk to trees, or she was told, I, I think it was her mother. Anyway, she used to talk to trees as a child. She was connected to spirit in ways she thought might be different than other people. Her artwork was always there. She got a BFA in college and mainly worked with it as her art therapy, her journaling, her journaling, her way of expressing herself. And then the animals started showing up in her art and it returned and they returned her to the mysticism of her childhood. She uncovered the world of archetype and how this played a role in finding the sacred within her, awakening something in her connection to feminine power, authority, and to how she's challenged to show up as truly herself in the world. So we're going to dive in with Lisa Baker. Welcome in, Lisa. Thank you, Julie. You're welcome. You know, I, I show up at the Abbey Q Studio Tour and I see your beautiful artwork and you're sitting there and we have our masks on and all the stuff since we're still in the pandemic. Um, and I just, I just wanted to say, can you just give us an intro to you? Who are you as a child? Um, can you give us a story of who you might've been as a child with spirit and or creativity? I would love to just meet you as a child first. Well, sure. Um, looking back and just hearing, uh, particularly my mother talk about me, she said I used to talk to trees and uh, that I would tell all the trees goodbye when we were getting in the car to go somewhere. And I don't remember that. I wish I could remember it. Um, uh, I'm talking to trees now, asking if there's something I've forgotten in those conversations that I need to know. But I was very connected to nature. Uh, my dad played golf and he would bring me pine cones and, you know, interesting little pieces of nature he found during his golf game. I remember one time, uh, even as a young adult, um, he gave me, uh, when I was a young adult, he gave me a bag of peanuts that I, so I could feed the chipmunk that lived, lived under our uh, walkway, our front walkway. So my parents obviously saw my connection to nature. Um, I didn't have this language then, but now I know I'm a highly sensitive. And um, so... Were you I an had, introvert, Lisa? Were you an introvert? 
very much so. And, and I like to, uh, I like to give the definition of that because a lot of people just think loud and quiet, but um, it's how we renew ourselves. And so I have, I have three siblings and that means there was a household of six and I often uh, climbed out of an upstairs window in my parents' house to get up to this flat part of the roof. And I would go up there and just be by myself and sit under the stars, um, sometimes just to renew and be quiet. And then sometimes I would really find direction there. So, you know, that's become a part of my daily practice, getting up early enough to sit under the stars or at least walk out. (laughs) It's chilly right now. So, uh, you know, at least go out and and stand under the stars and make a connection there. When you got direction, even as a younger person, was it kind of what to do ABC or was it um, kind of a, a more of a relaxation of who you were or, or did it get logistical? You know, like, um, yeah. I think it was both. Cause sometimes, um, you know, as a child, if you're connecting to spirit, you can get pretty deep, you know? and um, maybe deeper than you should. And, and so sometimes I, I had, you know, questions about my purpose and uh, decisions I was making. Uh, Just as a side note, I I pulled a card this morning, uh, I guess, looking toward this session and coyote showed up. So, you know, just a reminder, just to have fun and not take things too seriously. And that's the direction my art has gone to. when, when did creativity, painting, drawing, whatever, however you experience creativity show up? I don't know, you know, as a child, if you know how different you are. Uh, I doodled a lot as a child and I, I was always creating something, uh, probably with found objects. And, and I guess where creativity showed up a lot or Im- imagination was in my dreams. I dreamed a lot. And uh, I remember my aunt uh, would come to visit and she would always ask me in the morning what I had dreamed. She was kind of fascinated by that. So that gave me a little clue that maybe everybody didn't have these dreams with, with all these characters showing up at night. You know, I had one particular dream in my adult years that just I had repeatedly and it, it, ended up being sort of prophetic, if you will. Um, It was pointing me to my dark night of the soul, which um, I went through at age 40. It was a nine-year process. And um, that was really a significant time that brought me back to those mystical connections and nature, Um, even though I've always loved nature and always look to nature to renew me. Um, It it was just a time of transformation, you know, that I can go back to that. I really, I really came out of the dark night, a different person. Oh, we have to talk about that. Absolutely. Um, When did you just like, before we go there, what do you remember as a kid in terms of creative, you were doodling, and when when did they, when did it start showing up as something you might want to do? Cause I know you got your BFA. So was it in high school or when did you start turning your eye towards art? 
Um, I, I just always, I, I always liked art and creating things and, um, you know, was, was it a big decision to go for your BFA or was it kind of obvious? It was sort of obvious. Um, I wasn't real clear about what I wanted to do with it. And, and somewhere in there, I realized it was more about what it was going to do with me. <laughs> and, um, I think it's just this whole path of finding true self and, 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 and purpose has just always been this huge thing for me. And I guess I thought it was for everyone, but just, you know, as I've grown, I've, I've seen just, you know, it's not so important for everyone. I, I just believe that the best thing we have to give back to this world is our true self. And, and sure, uh, you know, we've all been wounded and we carry generations of wounds, if you will. But if we can really get back to that essence, the best we can, it's just the best gift we can give. And it's, it's the light we have to offer the world. And here I am imagining you um, already on this path to wanting to be uh -huh, who you were uh -huh. more. Was it your, your always that way? Or did, was there some kind of turning point in school or growing up? Or was it just kind of, you're always interested in being who you were? Well, I was always interested in, in just being who I was. And I, I think my dad really um, instilled that in me, um, you know, just, just choose something that makes you happy and, and gives you fulfillment. And, and he was always just encouraging, you know, about that there were so many different things that I could do than any of us could do and just to choose what would make us happy. That's pretty different right there. Just so you know, most people don't have their parent telling them that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you had yeah. that in your home. So it sounds like I there was did. a bit of a culture of um, enjoying who you were. Your aunt liked to listen to your dreams. Your father wanted you to do something uh, that you were happy in. So it sounds, mm -hmm. so it sounds like you had that kind of almost support. I did have that support. And um and and I, I really kind of come from a line of pioneers, if you will. That uh, that may sound bigger than it is, but but my grandfather was a baby when his parents brought him to the states from France, and um, you know I just feel like that's I'm not so far removed from that huge life change, you, you know, in my on the paternal side of my family, and that's just always kind of inspired me you know, that we can, we can live into our true self and make big changes in our lives, but it's not without cost. It is not without cost. <laughs> well, how, how can you, how can you speak to you're in college, you're pursuing, you know, really wanting to be true to yourself already. And you're, you're in there doing artwork BFA um, between there and 40, who, who were you by the time, you know, you started entering into this dark night of the soul? Just give us a sense of that. Well, in college, um, uh, I went to the University of Memphis. And at that time, the art department was, um, I would say in my, because I majored in painting, my teachers were really more about just express yourself. So at that time, you know, I thought I need a little more technique, you know, how to do this and that. But looking back, it was really perfect for me because, um, you know, if I'm looking for wholeness and authenticity and being true self, um, I don't know that I need so much technique 
um, shutting me down. And, and I've kind of come full circle. I'm, I'm in an art class now where um, not getting technique, but just some principles that are that are speaking into my art and I think helping um, further my art. But what I will say in college, I realized um, for me, it wasn't so much about the technique, which I'm not sure that's so great for an artist. It was about the message behind whatever I was painting. And, and I, um, you know, remember that paradox that I was holding because, uh, you know, so what do I do with that? And then as um as a young adult, uh, well, my first job out of college, um, I did use art as therapy. It was really more um, uh, crafts, if you will, mm-hmm. but it was with quadra and paraplegics. And so it was just giving them an outlet in their recovery. Uh, you know, it was a, at a rehabilitation unit. Yeah. And then um, and then my creativity shifted to dance. And And, you know, this is just speaking into the different paths of spirituality. And, you know, I think I I, uh, intuited very early that I needed some grounding. And whenever we get into our bodies, it grounds us, you Mm. know, and it, 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 it all fits together. We may have one or two pathways that are primary for us, but, but if we're not connecting body, mind, with the spirit, and, and even our emotions with our spiritual side, um, there's just something that's not complete, at least for me. So I choreographed um, dance routines. I was in the fitness industry, and it was just very grounding uh, for me as I was going into these deeper thoughts and you know, what is the meaning of life and what is my purpose? Um, so again, the role of purpose. So that was one of your questions all along, it seems like. All along. All yeah. along. Purpose. So would you call yeah. that almost like that's one of the threads of your life that you're pulling is this thread of purpose? I would. And um, so, so I, really, I just woke up one morning and just knew that my time in the fitness industry was over and it was really sort of at the height of all that. So when I resigned my position, um, the people around me really didn't understand everything was going great, but I loved it one day. And then the next day it was just over. And that's just been true so many times in my life. And I just have to follow that. But I think um, not feeling like I had the support of of walking into this um, unknown really sent me into a dark night. And I'm, I'm a self-starter or enough of one. And I thought my purpose would just be right around the corner. And nine years later, <laughs> I found my purpose. But during that dark night, you know, I think I just had to face some of my illusions. A, a big metaphor for me in that dark night as I look back on it, is walking through the arroyos here in northern New Mexico. And so often, you'll know what I mean, you see a juniper tree on uh, on an edge, and it just looks like all the roots are exposed. And yet this juniper tree is 
not just surviving, but thriving. And then you see, oh, the taproot is still connected. And that's sort of um, the picture I have looking back at that dark time. Um, You know, just everything that wasn't necessary anymore. It might have served me well then, but everything that wasn't necessary anymore was just exposed. This ground just washed out from under me. But through that, I just found that taproot, if you will, that the thing that grounded me. Were were you in a relationship at that point? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I've been, yes, I was. And so, you know, and so bringing my husband into that, um, you know, I don't know that the dark night would have lasted quite that long, but when you're in relationship with someone, you don't leave a place until both of you are ready until it's time. But I, you know, I, I, I think I needed all that time to really experience what it's like to be without purpose, because then the next thing that opened up for me was um, a 10 year uh, opportunity to work with people in finding purpose. Oh my gosh. Well, let's, I just have to ask you a couple of questions. Where were you located? It sounds like you wanted to, maybe a, a physical change was part of it. Well, a physical change was part of it. Where were Um, you at that time? (laughs) Well, in the dark night, I was in the deep south, Jackson, Mississippi. And um, then when I started teaching purpose, I was in Middle Tennessee. What was that dark night like? Was it uh, withdrawal from friends or just give us a sense of how you experienced that? Well, I had a, a good support group of friends, if you will. But when I resigned my, um, my fitness position, the interesting thing was people didn't really know how to talk to me, (laughs) you know, because, because that's how they saw me and all my friends had children. I, my husband and I had chosen not to have children. And, um, so I guess the dark night, I lost my purpose, but I lost this identity that I, this public identity, if you will. Yeah. And so, you know, people just need to know how to connect with you, kind of a label, if you will, who you are, or what you do. And so I wasn't doing anything, but I was journaling a lot. And, um, you know, a distinction I like to make, it, the dark night of the soul feels, sure enough, like depression, <laughs> Yeah, but it's not, it's not, you know, there are different types of depression, if you will. So it's not depression, you know, that, and, and I just, I always felt like this is taking me to a deeper place with spirit um, finding a deeper purpose within me, um, both a uh, a paradox, I guess I would say in that is that people just wanted to see me happy again and, you know, included me in things, but it just all felt so empty. It had nothing to do with the people around me. It was just the time in life that. I really appreciate you saying that. I hear faith. I hear that you knew there was something in it for you that needed to be there. Um, So uh, was there, it sounds like there, was there despair? Or were you? Well, there was despair. You know, there was. Yeah. It, it was dark, and and now that um, animals have come to me as spirit guides, 
which would be more spiritual or metaphysical, and also as archetypes, you know, you combine those two together. It's sort of a transpersonal psychology, if you will. Um, you know, now I see that that really to grow, we have to go into the void. We have to embrace the unknown. And, and I guess one way to say it is rather than always needing clarity or having the right answer, we, we just learn to live with the questions, um, vague and uncertainty. Uh, if, if we befriend that, we see possibility and, and faith, if you will, you know, just the, that the universe is not going to leave us, <laughs> leave us behind. And um, sometimes in our egos and all the certainty that we have, uh, it blocks us from just a relationship of, with mystery. And, and I love the Native Americans term great mystery, because that's what life feels like to me. And I think part of um, that dark night, it's easy to say, well, you can find gift in anything. But when you are smack in the middle of your darkest days and nights, you know, um, and just hanging on to there is some wonderful gift in this. And and I, I really felt like maybe I had something significant to give back to the world, but I wasn't, I, you know, I didn't have it yet. I wasn't developed enough. And maybe it just took, would take the darkness to get me there. And I guess that kept me going. What kept you going? Is that sense that there, there was something, a process happening? A process happening. And yeah. that on the other side, I might have something, um, yeah. a worthy gift to give. When, when do you, what it's, you speak beautifully about this. What was your signs that something had shifted? Was it like a lightning bolt or did you start, was there something showing up on the horizon that you started seeing um, that was different than this, you know, emotional field of depression that was this dark night? Well, the lightning bolt was what took me into the dark night. I, I had so many signs and and a dream over and over and over that um, uh, gave me certainty that I should leave that fitness position. Nothing was wrong with that fitness position, but I just knew. Um, it sounds like you were pretty big, like you, you were making a good income. It sounds like it was, what was the fitness position? Oh, well, um, I, I taught classes and yeah. I had, I had 12 instructors um, who taught with me. And also I was the regional director in the Southeast um, training other instructors. And um, so it was like a big business. It was a business. Well, yeah, <laughs> you know, I wouldn't really call it a, a, a big business. My, um, my husband is an administrative pastor. And so you know, it was in that realm. And so, you know, the big bucks weren't <laughs> flowing in, which is fine. It was just, it was just a wonderful way to meet people. And to, no, I get uh, it. So it really wasn't yeah. so much the, the money, like people going, how could you leave the money? It was really more the identity and, and, and that big shift that you said a minute ago. Yeah. 
It was the identity. Yeah. I it. mean, I do remember, you know, questioning, I'm going to miss the pocket change. And it, it was more than pocket change, but, right. but you know, um, but it was the identity and just, uh, but I knew that, that I had a purpose that was um, different. So, I'm not going to say deeper, but different. <laughs> I get it. And you had, so you had the lightning bolt was that right? Yeah, the lightning bolt was just, I knew I needed to leave. And then I guess the gradual coming out of it. Um, I remember tracking in my journal, you know, how many days I would call good days. Yeah. Um, and, and there were more and more of those. But then um, when I had the opportunity to teach purpose and teach um, authenticity classes, um, helping people find a truer self and then how, how to give back to the world from that rather than measuring up to these externals or um, nothing wrong with our Western achieving. But when that takes precedent over living a life from the inside out, there is something wrong with that. I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. I feel very akin to what you're talking about. So it sounds like the coming out of this darker night was a more gradual process. And you, you know, the, the good days were more, and I know what mm -hmm. you mean by that. Mm -hmm. And, and then you, you found a way in, there was a class or something you could start teaching around purpose. And, mm -hmm. and by then it sounds like you had a conversation in yourself about how things had changed with purpose? I mean, it sounds like you had a relationship to it now that was different when you started to teach. Well, it was different. And then I had a story to tell. So people who, who were listening or, you know, students, participants in these classes, uh, I could tell my story. And if they felt like they hadn't fully found their purpose, you know, they would come to coaching sessions and we'd just go deeper into how to find purpose. And a lot of that was around the mind because I used assessments. You have to give people a starting language, you know, if they're not searching on this deep level for their, <laughs> for spiritual meaning, you know, you have to give people a language to begin with. And um, then that um, eventually moved to uh, using archetypes and pulling energy from different uh, uh different archetypes. How did and, you, where was, um, was two questions there, but one yeah. is where was artwork and all that, but also what, when's the first time that you came out with archetype and brought that into a group and had that already, I'm thinking it had already been showing up to you. Um, well, um, in my coaching, my teaching and coaching, I, I really saw how few people felt like they had a safe place to share. And you know, they would be rattling around inside themselves or, you know, they would feel this holy rumbling, I like to call it, or, you know, they would want to go deeper. But some of these things, when you're rattling around, you just can't share those kind of things with just anybody. And, and I just, there were so many people in sessions and these were very upbeat coaching sessions, but they would just pour their hearts out and weep, you know, and that led me to, to, uh, get spiritual direction training. Mm -hmm. I thought I want to create safe places where people can just come 
no matter where they are in their journey, no matter what background, if it's religious or not, or, you know, what their grounding is and, and just have a safe place to ask questions and to get angry, you know, and (laughs) you, you just face their emotions, face their questions. And, um, so it was in my spiritual direction training that, I was more formally introduced to archetypes. And of course, those archetypes were innocent, orphan, lover, you know, those types. But with my connection to nature, the animals began showing up as both spirit guides and archetypes. And so I've sort of taken it or definitely have taken it in that direction because that's how spirit has come to me. So when I hear you say that and that you found your jewel in purpose that you can now bring to people in a whole nother way. I just, it, that brings me such a, uh, such a testimony, um, somehow to the possibility that we are being taken care of, um, even when we're in a dark, in a dark time. Well, it does, it does feel like that to me. And, and, you know, it's not anything that I would want to repeat. And yet, when I started teaching the authenticity classes, I was in an environment that was uh, very positive, very extroverted, um, moved very fast. And I just missed my dark night so much, <laughs> you know, because I just had to be so fierce about my time alone and my quiet. And, um, and yet I loved where I was. I didn't want to go back. And yet... I just missed that intimacy, if you will. And uh, it is the crow that takes you into the the vague, into the blackness. And there and the crow, find, let me just say, is on the business yeah. card, right? That that beautiful image with the, well, um, that's Raven, but that's Raven, I, yeah. I, sometimes I kind of use them interchangeably because they both take you into a darkness and um I think that's one reason the Corvids are so special to me because they're you in the darkness, you find these answers. They're not so clear, like, like the ego answers, you know, I'm so sure of this, but, but there's just a deeper knowing and. um, Tell me how these animals, you were starting to speak a minute ago about that, how animals came in as their own archetypes and that you developed this other relationship and language than your initial exposure to archetypes. How did the animals show up? And I know this has something to do with your paintings, right? Well, it has a lot to do with my paintings. And you asked me earlier, you know, where was your art? And just personally, my art has always been there. Some at sometimes I've been more intentional about it than others, but um, you know, sometimes it was just a therapy. And I say that sort of laughingly because I struggle through paintings. And, and so I guess um, I would say it's like a visual journey. I have never painted a painting that I wasn't just so surprised at the end of it. So painting is a way that brings out the unconsciousness in me, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, I, uh, when we moved to New Mexico, I just had this intention of really getting serious about painting. And my plan was to do more non-objective work. But in every painting, there would be this eye staring back at me or a beak 
pecking through the design or a tail wagging. And finally, I just gave into it. And, and just the delightful part of it is there is this fun, joy-filled laughter inside of me that I think I've pressed down with all the seriousness of, <laughs> of being so purposeful and, you know, teaching others. And, and, and so my paintings often, I don't think they look like me. And yet when I finish, I just invite that joy, the laughter, the fun part to rise up again. Because I've always known it's there, but I've just had positions that, um, you know, call for a little more seriousness or, I or maybe I put that like on the, myself. <laughs> it sounds like the arrival of the animal images was directly connected to your joy. And and I, I know the intentions, right? I'm going to paint non-objective, which means there's nothing really recognizable that's showing up on the page to say figure, animal, ear, you know, it's, uh-huh, it's uh-huh. right. So just... For uh-huh. people, but but there it was. You were seeing these things show up, and then did you have a choice when you said, "Okay, I see an ear. I'm going to make the rest of it"? Or what was that process like when you saw these the eyes showing up, or these animals begin to show up in your paintings? And I hear you went with it, but I'm just curious what that yeah. process was like. Well, I think part of it was getting over myself. You know, if I'm completely honest, because I love the sophistication of an abstract painting or a non-objective painting. I love that. And I appreciate that greatly. And, you know, then to just admit, hey, I love folk art (laughs) and let's just go there. But, you know, the eye would show up, but but it wasn't really a choice. Is this the dog's eye or is this the pelican's eye? I mean, I knew what it was in each painting. And so these paintings, um, you know, they just almost paint themselves. And yet. Uh, in the same breath, I have to say, I really struggle through because sometimes I spend a really long time on my paintings. Um, but I think I'm, I think ultimately they are spending a lot of time on me. <laughs> I get, so when you say sometimes it's hard, was it because you, you didn't know how to finish the animal and you needed to figure out how to paint it? Or was it just that you were just in it, right? And you knew it, you just kept going until it was done. H- how much of that was, gosh, this is a, actually making it look like a crow or a raven. Well, and and I guess not so much looking like a a raven or crow as much as you know I I could see that something wasn't finished about the painting but I wasn't sure yes. what. And so just a lot of my life I guess I live in uncertainty and the unknown but I just keep taking that next honest step and and I think that's what I find um on these different spiritual pathways, but in nature, sitting under the stars, talking to a tree, um, begging the juniper to be my friend. So I won't be allergic anymore. (laughs) Uh, you know, at the end of it, I, I walk back inside and I don't know the destination maybe, but I know that next honest step. And I think it's just being open to the people around us, um, no matter how different, uh, just knowing there's a interconnection among all of us and everything. I hear you. And I also hear in the painting, because I'm a painter, I know Mm -hmm. what you mean by something's not done. There's more. And all of a sudden it could be like, uh, 
an egg shows up in the middle and you thought it was about a bird, right? And now there's an egg. And then, then we get led to another place, right? Wait, if there's an egg, is it nighttime? Oh my God. I thought it was daytime, but it's night. It's <laughs> That's right. It's like that. Right. And then we're like, oh it my is. gosh. And I thought there was one, but there's, oh, there's one in the distance. I didn't know, but I know there's something, someone else is coming on this, but I don't, oh my gosh, there it is. <laughs> it's another. So I just want to uh-huh. out that for other people because, you know, I call that transformational painting. Uh, the woman I first started painting with Patricia Maggio would call it transformational painting when these, there is some kind of meaning making, but it's not, it's not meaning that it's almost like we're tracking We're we're helping it come onto the page, but it's almost like you're not the author of it. Right. There's um right. And I also write along with my paintings. And sometimes that is an advantage because each speaks into the other, but sometimes it's a distraction because if I already have my piece written and feel good about that. You know, if there's a dog in in the story, I want to put the dog in the painting and maybe the dog doesn't need to be in the painting. So, you know, but it's just, it's just playing with it and letting it happen. I get it. And what is, what about that? I'm curious about that. You know, there's that sophistication and love of the abstract or non-objective and then going into this and saying, oh my God, I'd love folk art. I'm going to let myself do that. What what were what was available to you? Is that was that part of the joy? Do you think in the letting the folk? I do art? think it's. I do yeah. think it's part of the joy, and and that it just speaks to how paradoxical we are, and just how many layers there are in every person. You know, we we're so complicated and multi layered, and then then maybe we just find this simple way to live, and uh, yeah, and and including allowing our paintings to be a little. Uh, simpler, but I have to tell you the the paintings that I saw of yours were quite sophisticated for the animals. But, <laughs> but you've been doing them a while now, so let's I let's have. get back to your journey. So the the animals started showing up. It sounds like in the dark night of the soul, or as you were coming out. Um, really later, more. Um, but that's really been more recent. I've always loved animals. Yeah. Um, but, but so what's more recent that the animals started speaking and you being able to share it, in that way? Okay. It, it really has been more recent. Um, when I've been here eight years, um, we traveled out here over 30 years. This was just our favorite vacation spot and um, felt like we would end up here when we could semi-retire. And finally, we realized we needed to get our feet and hearts in the same place. But I remember... Um, Early on, I was sitting out on our portal and this bull snake slithered by, but it wasn't just coincidental. It just felt like she knew the house had been empty and she was checking out who was living here. (laughs) And the same thing happened with an owl. I was at the kitchen sink and this owl just positioned herself just on our fence just looking at me in broad daylight. And I just really got this sense that uh, the animals were smarter than I was giving them credit for. And they knew someone had moved in and who was there. And it just drew me in. <laughs> mm, did you, did you paint owl? Oh, I paint owl a lot. I do. Well, what is that energy for you when you're there? Um, well. Sometimes the meaning of it is discernment. And um, and I'll have to say this. Um, uh, 
if we'll just be aware <laughs> and observe ourselves and other people, synchronicity just shows up. <laughs> I went into a gallery in Santa Fe just to buy a card for a friend at Christmas and bumped into or met David Carson, one of his daughters. She saw my spirit animal ring, asked me if I knew anything, if I had ever heard of medicine cards. I said, I only read it every day. <laughs> mm. and, and so she connected me with her father and I was able to have some um, mentoring by him, by this wonderful Native American man who was co-author to medicine cards and wrote spirit clans as well. And then he connected me to um, Dennis Miranda and his wife, uh, where I made a drum. And uh, just. I don't know just, Miranda. Who is that again? Um, Dennis Miranda. Okay. Uh, he, uh, he works with people making drums, connecting people with their ancestors. And so you know, was able to stay in their casita and go through um, mm. some mentoring time with him as well. So, you know, just these different um, moments that just happened. Um, in talking with David Carson, I just, I kept drawing the ant card. Ant is not a part of my totem. Why do I keep drawing day after day this card? Well, that prompted David to connect me with Dennis. And, and this just drew me deeper into nature, into these spirit guides, and um, doing some of this journeying. And, and, and would, you, would you paint while you're um, being mentored with these people? No, that was, that was separate. But, yeah. but certainly my many paintings came out of my experience with these two men, these Native yeah. American men. And, and I just say, you know, it was a, a beautiful opportunity because, you know, they have the long history of their Native American heritage so connected to the earth. And, you know, earth is, is one of the pathways uh, to deepening spiritually so again, I hear this, the importance of what we're saying is purpose, right? The sense of being, being pulled ever deeper. And on the other side of this nine-year darker period, you had all mm -hmm. kinds of synchronicities. You had, and you went into training, you were, you know, offering these classes, but you were also brought in deeper through synchronicity um, to where there was, um, it sounds like you were able to receive, uh, receive a lot at this point in your life? Oh, yeah. And I, I do think if you just observe and stay open that you see that there are so many people and then just the universe itself giving. And if we can get out of our minds um, and uh, I'm very intentional about what I do, but if we're too focused and aren't open to what's around us, we might miss some other little 
side paths, <laughs> if yeah, you and, will. And, you know, synchronicity is such a big part of the, when I, I hear it over and over from people on their transformational journeys, mm-hmm. the role of synchronicity. Mm-hmm. Can, um, who are you now in relationship to animals that is so, so different or so the same as when you were a kid? I guess both as a child, I just thought, you know, I, I love animals, um, you know, but they did show up in my dreams. And, and, and if we think about, you know, the archetypes, they just offer you such strength, you know, because uh, we may not have a particular animal that we feel uh, warm towards, if you will, but we find ourselves in a, ourselves in a, crazy situation and we might need to draw strength from that particular animal, you know. Absolutely. And can you tell, or is it too personal, what you were able to relate to with Ant after you? Well, I was so confused by that because, you know, a a lot of the Ant is, is working in community. And I just felt like when we moved here, that 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 was something that was just sort of passed for me. Not that I wouldn't be in community, but I mean, I had a huge role right? and, and leadership positions. And, and I just felt like that just seems past. Why does this keep coming up? And so in drawing the ant and studying and sitting with it and, and watching them outside and, and then meeting um, with Dennis um, because he is the ant man, um, what I came to was just um, always make sure that your purpose is offering good to the whole. And, um, y- you know, it's, it, it just was a reminder, whatever intention I have is this good for the whole. And when I say the whole, I, I mean everything, the whole world, you know, mm-hmm. am I offering good back to the whole? And, um, so that's, that's really what I drew from that. But part of drawing that card, I think was so David Carson would connect me with Dennis and his wife, Marsha. It was, um, a lovely time that we spent with them. And yeah, it's always so good to be with people who have completely different backgrounds, but, but they accept you and don't judge you and you do the same for them. And I I mean, this is, this is the only way our world is going to work because the divided house will fall. Yeah. You know, no country has to, has to um, initiate war against us. They just have to divide us. And so as an individual, that's, that's why I want to be whole. I don't, I don't want to fall but also in our community up around Metanolis and Abiquiu, in our state, in our country, in our world. What is good? What, what creates wholeness? And it just makes us a little kinder and understanding toward each other. I think when we come from that intention. I feel it when I hang out with you and listen right now. The shift in energy. I hear the transformation, uh, and I, I also hear um, your continued openness to to showing up. So, thank you for sharing some of your journey with us today, Lisa. It's so beautiful to be on the call with you. Um, to me, I hear so much about feminine power as well because the role of listening, going in, 
allowing and not letting big words like depression um, define you and take you away from this oh. spiritual yeah. unfolding. So thank you, Lisa. Well, you're, you're so welcome and thank you for the opportunity. Well, that's today's podcast of Creative at the Wheel. Before we go, I want to invite you to check out my creativity and spirit online retreats. Experience for yourself the breakthroughs and support available when you engage your creative self in a safe and playful community. Begin here if you are ready to ignite your own transformational journey in a joyful way. You can also learn more about my one-on-one -on -one coaching offerings on my website, paintbiglivebig.com.